Well, thank you for everybody for coming today. Surprise, surprise. I'm not Britain. Far from it. Far from it. But I'm very happy to be here and happy to get the chance to speak to everyone. Um, you know, uh, was, I started thinking about this lesson, and uh, it's uh, you know it's about joy. It's the time of the season, peace, love, joy, and all that kind of stuff. But maybe it's going to be a little perspe- different perspective. Um, uh, the excitement that we find this time of year and uh, the things that we look out to and look forward to and all that, you know, it kind of reminds me of a story. Uh, I'm a grandfather now. I know. Can't believe it. I'm too young for that. I Just ask me. I'll tell you. I'm too young. Can't do it. But I got one. He's a year old, 22nd of November, one year. And uh, after the whole ordeal and everything was over, uh, Nehemiah, my son-in-law, told me a story uh, about the day of uh, Simon's, I about said Gavin, oh my goodness, Simon's birth, right? So they go to the hospital early in the morning and everything and going through the things that people go through when someone's having a baby and going into to the family. And uh, he's like, you know, this is l- th- late in the afternoon and things are happening and they're like, they hear this noise. Okay, a couple of nurses in there. I mean, things are getting a little bit intense and Nehemiah's looking around. Nurses are looking at him like, Dude, I thought you was going to turn your phone off. He's like, it's not me. But there was a ringing noise. So Nehemiah starts looking around. He goes over to the table and digging the stuff out and found a phone, a landline in the in the birthing room. Nurses are like, didn't even know they had phones in here. So he's all right. All right. He goes, uh, hello. And I said, hey, son, how's it going? Yeah, I, I got the number. I was like, how's it going in there? He's like, how did you get this number? I had to go all old school. I haven't heard anything for like nine hours. Do we have a baby yet? No, I'll let you know. Okay, well, good luck. You know, click, hung up. So uh, the the joy and excitement of me becoming a grandfather, I don't know about being a grandfather, but having a new baby in the family, I just couldn't take it. I had to I had to go, you know. I'm going to blame some on his family, too, because they were all texting and everything. What's going on? You heard anything? It's been like nine hours. So I was like, I, I can solve that problem. I go old school, solve the thing. So, uh, you know, that excitement and that joy, As much as we love to experience that, there's really more to a true everlasting joy that that there's only one place that we can get it, you know. Um, So let's I'm going to say a prayer and then we'll go ahead and we'll go through this lesson. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time we get to come and spend with each other and worship to you and to sing your praises as we heard this morning, dear God. We thank you for your spirit that you will fill this place and fill these hearts. And that we will open our hearts and minds to your word, dear God, what you want us to hear and and what you want us to get out of this lesson today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, I got to thinking about this. And, uh, uh, you know, Britton was like, hey, you want to teach on uh, on next Sunday? And I was like, well, okay, what what do you got for me? You got got something? He goes, oh, no, whatever you want. I'm like, gee, thanks, man. So. Uh, but uh, I was like, you know what, it's the time of the season. I'm going to start talking about, you know, joy and happiness and this warm, fuzzy feeling and everything. And uh, it kind of took me back to that whole statement of the pursuit of happiness. So our founding fathers um, had the insight to try to try to make a document to where we could all be free and you're a citizen and you have certain unalienable rights. And it comes up as we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. 
that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How can you not hear that and say, whew, I want some of that, right? That's for me. But then I sit back and I look at it and I says, well, the pursuit of happiness. What is the pursuit of happiness? Well, let's take a second and think. What makes us happy? You feel free to shout out rhetorical question, however you want to. What makes you happy? I was like, hey, money, anything that has to do with it other than leaving my possessions makes me happy. Huh? Well, some folks like the Aggie football wins. No A&M gear. See, I know I'm a great disappointment already. Uh, but, yeah. Huh? Family brings us happiness. Just like I couldn't stand it anymore, I went old school and had to call the landline. Okay? I was expecting that happiness and that joy, that little bundle of joy. You know? Um, so, I started thinking. I was like, well, yeah, man, there's a lot of things here on this earth that makes me happy. And almost all of it had to do with things like we mentioned, right? And then I said, well, I wanted to talk about joy. What's joy? What is joy? Okay? What makes you joyful? What makes you rejoice? Say that again, Miss Barbara. Inner peace and happiness, that's very good. So... I looked up the definition of joy, and this is what I found. The emotion of great delight caused by something exceptionally good, a source of something or someone greatly valued or appreciated. Okay? There's many things in this life that will bring us happiness, right? And on some level, people like to call it joy, right? Um Joy is associated with our life. We are emotional beings. Experiencing joy is the most satisfying emotion we can possibly have from the right source, right? Do you believe that God wants all of us to have joy? Yes, he does. God wants us to experience joy. Did you know? Fun fact, okay? Joy, rejoice, or joyful appears in the ESV Bible 430 times. 430 times, as opposed to happiness, 10 times. So we see something developing here when we're talking about the Word of God, and there may be a little difference in joy, as God presents it, and happiness, right? So are they the same thing, or are they different? Hmm. I think they're a little bit different, okay? Joy is lasting, and it uh, satisfies the heart in a very unique and marvelous way. It's deeper. When we start talking about joy and rejoice, it's kind of an unwritten thing that, well, joy is very deep. It's much deeper than when we say, hey, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. You know, ask that same question, but are you joyful? Oh, okay. Now let me look a little deeper inside myself. Let's look at Galatians um, chapter 5. Around verse 22, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, let's see, let's go down to verse 22. Galatians 5, verse 22. And this is ESV, but I think the numbers will play out the same. 
little side joke. Okay, all right, so here we go. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay? So we're going to, we're going to, that's going to come up a few times later on is the fruit of the Spirit. What Spirit are we talking about? Say it again. The Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit come from? It comes from God. Okay? Like I said, joy, or God wants us all to have joy. Somebody is really feeling the joy back there, we think. Yeah. Okay? So... If we start to think about, we develop this thought that God wants us to experience joy, okay? You would think that he would give us some guidance on how we can do that, right? Knowing um, that I have an eternal inheritance from God. What do you think? Should that bring me joy? Everybody say yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, it should bring me joy, okay? I chose Jesus Christ as my Savior, just just as many of you have. What did we receive when we made that choice? What were we saying? What were we professing with our mouth? Jesus Christ is Lord. We believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was dead and buried in a tomb, and three days later, God rose him from the grave, and he paid for all of our sins, right? That's the gist of it, okay? Not only that, but it gives uh, God joy that we find love and salvation in him and in his son, Jesus Christ, okay? Let's look one more time at, not one more time, but at Psalm 147. Let's see what that says. Because I said it brings God joy when we have this relationship with God and we share our love with God and we choose Him. Psalm 147, is that what I said? Let's look there. Psalm 147. There's a bunch of them, aren't there? think uh, let's look down let's start in verse 7 psalm 147 is there anything that i can do that would actually bring god joy and how does he view that psalm 147 verse 7 sing to the lord with thanksgiving make melody to our god on the lair he covers the heavens with the clouds he prepares rain for the earth he makes grass grow on the hills He gives the beasts their food and the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him 
or love him in those who hope in his stead his steadfast love. So now what do you think? Is there anything that I can do in my measly existence that could actually bring God joy or please him? Sure, I can have a relationship with him. I can have faith in him. I can I can profess his name and share his word because his word is truth, right? There's a, you know, I always kind of chuckle to myself whenever you see these old wise men and everything, and they're like, oh, what's the purpose of life? I was like, I know. I know the answer to that. I heard it because it's true. What's my purpose in life? I'm going to choose today who I'm going to serve. I'm going to choose God. That's my purpose in life is God. That's what we do. So 147, the reason I put that in there is it, it makes a specific point. And I think we can look at a little more difference between happiness and what true joy is. Right? Our happiness does not bring God joy. Why? Remember earlier we said, what is happiness? And we listed a bunch of things. Somebody said money. Right? What did we say when we said, what is joy? Deeper, deeper feeling, deeper emotion. Joy comes from God. And that is through a relationship with him. That's how we can we can have joy. We can experience joy. Right. Even if things ain't going very well. We're supposed to rejoice always. How can we do that if we're going through some dire straits, the most immense sorrow you can imagine? How can we still have joy? How is that even possible? Thank you, brother. Cast all your cares on him. That's how we can do it. We're going to deal with what we need to deal with here. Okay? John 15, 11. Since we're, cha we're changing our focus a little bit, we started out talking about happiness, and we've changed our focus immediately to really where true joy comes from. What did I say it was? John 15, 11? Val's paying attention. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Got my back. John 15, 11. Actually, I want to start in verse 9. Okay? So, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's, uh, that's plain cut and dried right there to me, isn't it? Where does joy come from? Everybody say it. From God. 
Jesus gave this statement saying that you love me, I love you, so and your joy will be full. Okay? And, it, and it's um, true joy is based on a proper relationship with God. And that is why we can be joyful even when things seem like they are falling apart. Okay? Raise your hand if you've never had a problem in your life. Okay, that's an easy way to get participation. Raise your hand if you have experienced some kind of trial, some kind of sorrow, anything that made you go, hmm, where do I go for my strength and my joy? Right? True joy comes from God and a proper relationship with Him. It is God-based. This is exactly opposite from the joy that the world sees. What does the world see when they think, think of joy? And I'm just going to throw in their happiness. What does the world think happiness is or what will make me joyful? I'll say again. No problem, right? I need a bigger house. I need that car. Do whatever makes you happy. We've never heard that before. Whatever makes you happy, it's perfectly fine and okay. You deserve it. You've worked for it. You need it. Yeah. Okay? So what we're finding out here is there's a difference between what, I'm going to keep saying it, the world's view of happiness or joy and God's view of what drew joy truly is. Okay? What joy truly is. We, we um, the world's joy is selfish. It's based on self, right? I'm going to do mine. I'm going to get mine. It doesn't matter. If they do that to you, you do this to them. I think there's another lesson in the Bible about that as well. Revenge. We can take revenge out on anybody that we want just because they did us wrong. That's all false, what I just said. What does God say about vengeance? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not my job. I'm not in control of the universe. I didn't create anything, right? God did. God did. God is the giver of joy. It doesn't come from inside me. It doesn't come from a mystical force that I summoned, right? It's not. It's not. It doesn't come from anything here on this earth. Joy, true loving joy does not. We all experience serious trials and times of difficulty. It's safe to say we are um, not happy do during those times. Right? And notice I said happy. We're not happy when we're having struggles or hard times or going through tragic sorrow. We all do that. Right? God knows these things. He told us. You're going to live, once you become a Christian, you are going to live a perfect life and not have any sorrow in your life. Somebody stop me. That is not correct. No, in fact, he tells us the opposite. He says, when you are persecuted and when you have trials, look to me. Look to me. Go through the trials. Keep your focus on me is what God tells us to do. Even as we go through these things, we remain focused and keep our eyes on God. 
we can still find joy in God's love and compassion. And that's the joy we're talking about. That's the joy we're talking about. So when you tell somebody that's a non-believer, yes, I can have joy during this time, and you may be going through the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. But if you say, I can still experience joy because I know what God has given me. I know what he has in store for me. This life is temporary. Everything I see here is temporary. How long does it last? How long does my life last? Something about a vapor. It appears as a vapor, and then it just goes away. That's my timeline on God's timeline, right? If we put it in a little bit of perspective, and then we say, okay, I'm going to have these trials, I'm going to have these sorrows, I'm going to have hard times, but I know they're not going to last forever because God tells me they're not. And after I'm done with this life, God has given me an eternal life, hasn't he? We have to accept the fact that we are not the center of the universe. For some of us, that's hard, and it took us a a few more years than most people, right? If you want to pursue true, lasting joy, what do we need to do? Say it again. We need to pursue God and have a relationship with him. That's where true joy comes from if i want to be joyful we know how to do it i pursue god i read god's word i pray to god i meditate on him even and especially during times of hardship and sorrow and all of that okay let's look at john 16 chapter 16 we'll start around verse 16 john chapter 16 And I really like this part right here because, you know, the header is uh, your sorrow will turn to joy. And that is so confusing to a lot of people. Your sorrow will turn to joy. So Jesus is talking to the disciple. He's trying to explain to him what's coming, what's in store for Jesus himself. And, of course, it, like many times before, the disciples are like, man, what, what is he talking about? This is crazy. Right? Jesus knows this. He knows what they're saying. He also knows exactly what they want to ask him. Right? So they were saying, what does it mean a little while? Jesus is talking about he's basically going to be crucified and died and he's going to be gone. And then he's going to come back and see him again. Okay? And they were saying, what does it mean by a little while? What do you know? Uh, We do not know what he's talking about. So Jesus knew this. And he says, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me and then again a little while and you will see me. This is really what you're talking about. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Pretty big lesson for these guys, ain't it? Up to this point, they've been living with him. They've been learning from him. They know he's God. And now they're having to deal with the fact that he's going to go away. The Lord, or the world always has problems. We're going to experience sorrow. Okay? When we talk like this, the world scoffs. They make fun of us. And if somebody's making fun of you because of your Christianity and your religion, guess what? That's persecution. You're being persecuted because you believe in Jesus Christ. And you chose him as your Savior. And you believe what he says is true. Okay? The closer we get to him, the more joy we will, we will have. God wants us to be joyful in the knowledge of his steadfast love. He doesn't want us to go through life depressed, always thinking about the bad things. What happens if we do that? I mean, I, I used to watch a lot of news, a lot of news. I bet I don't watch four minutes of news a week nowadays. And it's been that way for a while. When was the last time you heard good news on the news? I don't know. Very rarely. Very rarely. So imagine 24-7 constant bombardment of every bad thing you could imagine being thrown at you from every angle. What's that, what's that do to our heart? What's that do to our mind? It's just coming in. You know, there's a computer term, garbage in, garbage out. It's true for a lot of us, too. Whatever you put in, that's what's going to come out. So we have to regulate for sure. And I always say, okay, well, you watched 37 hours of news this week. Okay? How many times did you read the Bible? How many prayers? How, many how much time did you spend in prayer? Right? Because it puts a little different perspective. And we come here, we, we get maybe three hours in church of worship, and it's beautiful and it's great, but that's not enough. That's not enough. We have to leave these doors, and we have to take it with us, and it has to be part of our life, part of our being, part of our soul, who we are, what we are, what we do, where we go, what we say. That's how we live for Jesus Christ, not three hours a week. Not three hours a week. It's got to be more. It's got to be who we are. We have to fully commit to that. God is sovereign, okay? Once we change our focus from the worldly things and what is going on in the world and the bad things, who rules the world right now? Satan has control of it. What is Satan's goal? Distract us from what? From God. That is the goal. I know the purpose in life. Satan has a goal. God has the truth, doesn't he? He has the truth. I don't have the truth. He has the truth. He gives it to me. He gives it to you. We learn and study and meditate on God's word. That's how we're going to get our joy. Everlasting joy. Knowing that God loves us that much should make us insanely joyful. Even though the world says we're insane, 
knowing what God has done for us should make us extremely joyful. That's how we should represent our approach to God. Let's look at Romans 5. Romans 5. Uh, I'll just go ahead and start on verse 1. Romans 5. Peace with God through faith. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Where does joy come from? God, through the Holy Spirit. Who receives the Holy Spirit? Everybody raise your hands. We do. We receive the Holy Spirit. As soon as we make that profession, we hear the word. We believe in our heart that Jesus died, was crucified, was buried, and God raised him three days later. As soon as we believe that and we profess with our mouth that I believe Jesus Christ was my Savior. He died, was buried, he went to hell, and he paid played the price for my sin, my past sins, my present sins and my future sins. Because we all know that once we're baptized, we don't sin anymore, do we? Come on. I probably committed ten sins on the way to church today and didn't even know it. We are sinful creatures, and that's why God has sent Jesus for us. We can't work our way into heaven. It's impossible. God tells us, can't do it, brother. Can't do it. Why do you keep trying? The only way we can get there is those three things. We hear the word, we believe it in our heart, we profess it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Right? Let's look at verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's where the metal meets the meat. Doesn't mean we're not going to have hardships. We are. God tells us we are. Be forewarned. If nobody's had hardships in their life yet, just wait. It's going to happen. Okay? But these hardships and this sorrow comes as a test. A test for what? Test for our faith. Right? God says he's going to test our faith. Again, it's not a cakewalk once we make that decision. Once we step out, we take that water baptism. That's just the beginning in the walk with God. That's just the beginning. Right? We will be tested. 
And I guarantee you, everybody sitting here has been tested, whether you realize it or not. Let's look at James 1, uh, around verse 2. James 1, let's look at that real quick. James 1, your faith will be tested. Count it all to joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Count it to joy when you're tested. For... Some people, and I'll say for non-believers, that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? It's hard for me every time it happens. How in the world can I count it to joy? God, help me. Oh, first step, call on God. What can I do, God? What do I need to do? I know I need to pray. I know I need to meditate, right? There's a song that I like, and I kind of get a chuckle out of it. It says, if you're going through hell, just keep moving. Because you might be through it before Satan knows you're there, right? And that's kind of what we're saying. Keep living. Keep going. Keep your eyes focused on God. You know, um, I got to thinking about this and testing your faith. And, and there's several people even in this room right here. But we know and we have experience with, um, I'm going to say older in years, more mature in years more mature in their faith, and when they're faced with some kind of hard trouble or difficulty, I'm going to say nine times, if not ten times out of ten, those folks will say, well, yeah, that's a bad thing. Let's pray about it. Let's focus on God. Let's see how God's going to guide us through this. Where can I get my strength to get through this trial? Right? Contrast to that, somebody that's new in the faith or maybe not saved at all or a young person and something comes along, what, what will they tend to do? I break out in hives. That's what I do. I break out in hives. I quit drinking coffee, but it doesn't help. I'm still bouncing off the walls, right? What am I going to do? How can I fix it, right? Absolutely the wrong approach. We've got to approach it spiritually with God and be patient, right? Oh, patience. Where did we hear that? Is that a fruit of something that we heard of earlier? Somebody say fruit of the Spirit. There it is, okay? So all these things have a use. So when you start to feel down, remember what position we have in Christ. What position do we have in Christ as being saved? What position do we have? We have an inheritance. We have a love of Christ. 
and down the road, everlasting life. That's what we're talking about. We rejoice because of those things. We rejoice because God has done these things for us, and we're prepared for that. Anytime that you talk to anybody about Christ, the Bible, God, what he has to offer, how does that make you feel? Great. Joyful. Now we're getting it. All right. That's where our joy comes from. And when we practice and we do these things, we're able to handle the trials of life and our sorrows easier. Okay, I don't want to say easier. But let's say more godly, more spiritual. Okay. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And I, in my history, have understood exactly why I was having a problem or going through a sorrow or trial. That's sarcasm, folks. No, I don't know. We don't know what's happening. Right? God knows things. God knows everything. I don't. My ways are not his ways. His ways are not my ways. Okay? Just his word alone should bring us joy, bring us closer to God. The more we learn about God and become like him, the more joyful we will become. What does, what does sin do to our joy? Thank you, exactly. Sin destroys joy. Where does sin come from? Comes from Satan. There is a battle brewing in us and in this world. Sin comes from joy. It's going or uh, sin comes from Satan, and that's going to be the direct opposite of what God wants, isn't it? That's how He works. Okay. Sin wrecks our fellowship with God. Okay. Sin is us saying we want to do things our way. I've got this one, God. I can handle it. Shortly thereafter, I am like, well, God, okay. I messed this up really bad. Can you bail me out? Can you bail me out? He might not be able to bail me out, but he's going to give me an option and a route where I can work my way through it. Why? Because I've changed my focus from me to God. There's the key. Change my focus. Okay? Sin possibly can give you happiness here on this earth for a very short time. But what's going to happen in the long run with sin? It will totally kill your joy. Right? Can't serve two masters. Can't do it. God tells us that. You'll love one or hate the other, or you'll serve one and disobey the other. You can't serve two masters. And I'm talking about sin, money, material things, or God. Does God care about how much money I got in my bank account? Thank you. I don't have any money in a bank account. What I have, God has given me to try to use and manage, right? To talk about him, spread his word, use it in a very um, spiritual way, to praise God with it, okay? 
This kind of thinking goes against everything in the world. It goes against it. They think we're crazy. We are set apart. We need to accept that fact that, okay, when I accept Christ and I, I decide I'm going to live for Christ, what did that do to my flesh? What did I do? We just read it a minute ago. It's going to be crucified with all of its uh, inherent properties. It's not about me any longer. It's not about me any longer. It's about Christ. True joy is not dependent on my circumstances. How can I say that? Oh, but if I just just made $100,000, I would be happy. Because no millionaires have ever been depressed. Right? That will fix my problem. No, that's not true. That's not true. So I'm going to I'm going to tell a little thing that's it's about a rich man and a poor man or whatever. It's kind of a sidebar note, but um, the guy I work for, um, let's just say he might have all the money. I don't know, but he has a lot of it. And we go to a place and he has this display and I found it out in this in the woods. He has a lot of uh, property and everything and he has little pieces of art scattered throughout, I don't know, six or seven thousand acres of hiking trails. And out in the middle of nowhere, I come across this, I'm walking like this, and I see this big black pole. I'm like, well, that's really odd. And so I back up and I start looking at it. And I notice that it's a giant needle, like a sewing needle. What do you think is at the very top of that needle? Huh? The eye. And what is going through the eye of the needle? A camel. A camel. Remember, I told you my boss is very rich, so there's a story here. So I'm like, hmm, is this irony that this guy has this out in the middle of the woods, nowhere, no light on it or anything, and I'm like, here's a needle. There's a camel going through the needle. What is that saying? Do we remember the scripture? It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. And I immediately started thinking, why would he put that there? Does, it, does the Bible say, and so this is the theory that I came up with, does it tell us that a rich man cannot enter heaven? No, it's not what it says. He says it's easier for a camel to pass through, which means it's extremely hard for a, a rich man to enter heaven. And I was like, well, why is that? Money. What comes with every dollar in the world? Every kind of temptation that is in the world is at my fingertips. So now not only do I have all this money, but now I have all the temptations that come with it. So now we can see the conflict. Now we can see the conflict. Just because a person has money doesn't mean they can't get into heaven, but it's a lot harder. God tells us it's harder. Jesus said that, right? But it is possible. And it takes a special kind of person to, to... get off of or turn away from all those temptations. But what about us? Is it easier for me to turn away from temptation just because I don't have as much money? Or is temptation temptation no matter how you look at it? Temptation is temptation. What about sin? Sin is exactly the same. I don't care who you are, where you come from, where you're going. Sin is sin. I don't care what sin it is. Sin is sin. has the same effect. It will kill my joy. If I give in to temptation, 
and sin, it will kill my joy. The joy that God wants me to experience. Okay? As believers, we are to look beyond the uncomfortable circumstances of the trial and focus on God and the lesson He is trying to teach us. It's another indicator that joy, as God describes it, isn't just a natural human reaction. Because if I reacted naturally like my body, like I want to, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Let's just say that. No, i got to draw strength from God. I've got to turn away. Okay? So just a couple more things here. Psalm 90, we won't turn there, but Psalm 90, chapter 90, verse 14. It is God's lovingness, loving kindness that satisfies us and makes us joyful. Okay? John 17, 13, God wants us to be joyful. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak into the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Okay? So this is the holiday season. Peace, love, joy. I love it. It's my favorite time of year. Joy isn't just a season. It isn't just a season. We want to practice for ourselves and carry this joy all throughout the year. Entwine it in our life. Make it who we are. Where joy comes from, a right relationship with God. That's where. And that's what we need to do. Okay? You may ask yourself at sometimes, maybe you have, what's God done for me lately? What do you think we should be asking? What has God done for me eternally? And that's where our focus needs to be. Not the here and now, but eternally. Okay? In a minute, we're going to sing. The guys are going to come up. We're going to sing. Um, and when, when we do that, you're going to have an opportunity. If you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never said in your heart, I believe Jesus Christ. We haven't done that. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. Are we going to do a closing song? Where's Steve? We can go ahead and come up and do that. <laughs> what I want you to remember is joy is real. It's not temporary like our earthly happiness. It's not temporary. Joy is everlasting. And our relationship with God is how we get that joy. So if today is the day for you that you're going to make that commitment, you're going to choose Jesus Christ as your Savior, now is the time. Not tomorrow or next week or when it's convenient. We can't let circumstances drive our faith in God. Because no matter what, it's going to be there. You can come up here while we're singing. Gordy is in the back. We have Elise and Candy. If you want to speak to them, that's perfectly fine. They would love to talk to you. But today's the day, not tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. It's not promised. It's the here and now.